Lord, we just lift your name high tonight. We worship you. Jesus, you mean everything to us in life. And to be here and to worship you and to feel your presence. Lord, it means everything. It means everything. So, Lord, we just worship you. We praise you, Lord. We're so grateful and so thankful that you're in our lives. That we're not alone. And we're never alone, Lord, because you're always with us. So we praise you and thank you, Lord, this time. Because you're so great, so mighty, so awesome. Oh, and we love you so much. We love you so much. Lord, tonight we just stop and we just pray. And Lord, we just come before you and we just ask you, oh God, that the power of your presence would just be released in our lives. That Lord, all oppression would be broken, be gone, fear would be gone. And truly, Lord, we'd just be living and dwelling with you in the secret place. That every day, Lord God, we would just be covered with your grace, covered with your mercy. And that across this land, oh God, that people would turn their hearts to you. And as they do, I thank you, Lord, they, they would find you. Lord, they would find you. They'd feel you, your presence and your power in their lives. Feel you, oh God. So, Lord, we praise you. We praise you, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus, for all your goodness to us. Now, Lord, I just believe you to touch each and every person right there in their home, right there in their car, in a special way. Because that's the kind of God you are. That's the kind of God you are. You just want to do special things. You just want to bless people specially. Lord, just blessing them special ways. And I thank you for it. Now, if you're there with somebody, turn and look at them and say, man, I love the presence of God. He is so good to us. If he's not there, well, then just tell yourself that. <laughs> say, self, man, I'm glad you made a choice to serve God. Praise God. Praise God. Well, God is so good. And I'm so glad you're with us tonight. To be here and to be a part of this service. You know, it's been some unusual times we've been in. Trying to figure out what we're going to be doing and what's happening and what's going on. And, you know, it's just been different. 
But I'm glad you've stuck with us. I'm glad you're out there being filled and being touched with the power and the Spirit of God, that you're learning, you're growing. I'm believing, I, I, I've told you this from the beginning, that, that we as a church body are not going to go down. We're going to go up. We're going to be stronger. We're not going to be weaker. Man, we are going to improvise, adapt, and overcome at every obstacle that we're faced with. And so praise God. I, I, I know God is blessing you. I know God is, is ministering to you. And that's just, man, that just means so much to me. I, I get so many emails and uh, texts coming in and of people saying that God is blessing them and, and they're, they're blessed by these services. And so I'm glad. Praise God. I'm glad. But now we got a new thing going on, church, I want to tell you about. Our governor this week uh, made a declaration and said that churches could re reopen. So as of this coming Sunday, we are going to open the church again. But there's a but attached to this. We've got some restrictions. We can't just throw open the doors and go right back to the way that we were before. And, you know, it really grieves me because, man, I love to shake hands. I love to give everybody a, a hug and, and greet people. But, you know, they're still asking us to social distance. They're still asking us to, to calm ourselves. And that's a hard thing for us to do because, you know, we're, we're a happy bunch of people and a loving bunch of people. But what's going to take place is we're going to open the church for Sunday service. It will be a communion Sunday. Now, uh, we can only operate at 50% capacity. So that throws a little bit of a problem for us because we have uh, over 300 chairs here in the church, but they're asking us to only be at 50% capacity. Then they're asking us to seat families and then make sure there's two chairs between the next families. And then they're asking us to skip a row. So when we start doing all of this, it starts cutting our numbers down to the way that we can get everybody in the church. So what we're looking at is somewhere between 80 to 100 people could possibly come into the church and we would still be uh, under their guidelines. Now, uh, we're still going to do, be doing the live broadcast. You're still available to be uh, in the parking lot in your car if you'd, if you'd rather do that. If you'd rather stay home, listen, there's no guilt, there's no condemnation, I understand. You've got to follow in these days your heart and what Jesus is telling you to. Now, um, I, have, I have thought about something that, 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 that may be good. You may want to do. I, I don't know. But uh, I'm throwing it out there. You know, something that you may start thinking about doing it is we're, as we're, our, our restrictions are being lessened. You know, you may want to have a family come to your house. And you may want to sit and watch it together with, you know, one family and uh, watch the broadcast, see what's going on, talk about it, pray for one another and have a meal together. I mean, you'd be doing an Acts 246 uh, ministry right there. So that's something to think about. Uh, I, I, and, but right now you really need to be led by whatever the Spirit of God's telling you to do. Now, we're not required to have masks when we come into church, but if you want to wear your mask, wear your mask. I, I told my wife today we ought to find red bandanas. We ought to all sit here like bandits and just get everybody have a red bandana and just load up in here, you know, take a picture of it because we'd just truly be an outlaw church. And so uh, that might be kind of fun. But uh, 
It may be hard for me to preach. I guess my bandana would just be flopping if I was. But uh, anyway, so that's up to you. Now, we're going to be having communion like we did last uh, on, on Easter. So those of you that are going to be at home or have a family gathering together there, you need to uh, prepare for that because we will be taking communion all at one time. If you're in the parking lot, we'll be, have ushers out there that will be serving you communion. If you're in the sanctuary, uh, we're going to have to take communion a little different. It's not going to be like we always have where everybody comes to the front and we serve you. You're going to have to take it individually at your seat, but uh, you'll, you, it's all here for you. And, uh, but the main thing is I want us to be a body of the body of Living Waters Church in spirit. So no matter where you are, at home, the parking lot, in the sanctuary, man, we're all together in one place, worshiping God and praising Him. Amen? You know, I, I tell you what, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do, but it seems to me that we're going to have to like have designated, no matter when this is all over with, uh, everything's gone by, we're just back to normal church, we're going to have to have designated car honkers in the parking lot because I love it too much to hear the car honking out there. So praise God for that. Yeah, now there's also, we're not going to have any nurseries. That we, we're not, that's under the guidelines. We're not supposed to have nurseries, so there'll be no nurseries, uh, no Sunday schools. It'll just strictly be the church service starting at 1030. Now, now this is going to, you know, you, you got to hear this because, see, we're doing a live broadcast. So at 1030, we start and we go. And so all the other hundreds of people that are out watching the broadcast around the world, you know, we're got to be up for them. So you can't be coming in late. You got to be in here and we got to be ready to go because we're into a new man, just unbelievable ministry going out to the world. So praise God for that. Um, so anyway, uh, come do whatever the Lord's telling you to do and you're going to be blessed. Amen. Okay, praise God. It's kind of hard to believe that we're in another month, you know, that we've already gone into another month here, but we have. And so tonight I want to share with you a, a word. It kind of goes along with what we were talking about last Wednesday night. If I can find it here. Here we go. Last Wednesday night I gave you some things. I talked about how we have to exercise our faith from sitting at the position of the throne. I talked about that we must, we've got to study the word so that we know what the truth is. We have to meditate on what we've read. We have to speak the word out of our mouth, and this looses the power of the word to take effect. We must root out all places of doubt and unbelief in our hearts by challenging the doubt with the truth of God's promises to us. And the fifth one was, we must be steadfast and continue the process until we get to heaven. You're never going to get to the place and arrive at the place where all of a sudden now you know everything, everything's cool, everything. We're always going to be challenged in life. No matter what, we're always going to be challenged in life. There's always going to be things going on. There's always going to be things taking place that we have to grow and we have to develop our faith. Now, I, I, you know, I started this message on Easter and talked about the power of the resurrection and what it means for the power of the resurrection to come into our lives. And, and then it means that we're sitting positionally at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, that's a powerful statement, but I believe it's so powerful that you kind of shut your mind off. I was talking to Dr. Brown about something today, and, and we were talking about <clears throat> uh, exercising, and uh, he said something to me that just really leapt into my heart, because he said that if you set a goal for yourself in an exercise routine, and you set like you're going to 
you're going to do, you know, whatever. You're going to do 30 minutes uh, of workout and get your heart rate to 130 beats a minute, and you're going to do that every day for a year. And, and, and it, it kind of gets overwhelming, and, and you kind of, your fight or flight reflex kind of kicks in. And then you're kind of like, oh gosh, can I do this? And there gets to be a problem. But doctors have found out that if you'll say, I'll go stand in front of the television and march in place, I can do that for one minute, and I'm going to do that every day for 30 days. Well, then you see you can do it because you don't get that same response because it's like, oh, that's attainable. Well, I believe with, as, he, as we were talking about this, something launched off into my spirit. I believe it's like that with the gospel. We read something in the gospel, and it seems unattainable. It seems too far out there. I don't know that it's necessarily our fight or flight reflex that kicks in, but it's something that says, I'm a son of God. How could I be a son of God? I mean, I, 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 I do things that are wrong. I sin. I make mistakes. I have bad thoughts. How could I be a son of God? So then we, we don't think it's attainable, and then we think it's like a mystical thing. Well, right here is what's got to be broken in our lives, church. We have got to get it added to our heart that we know that we have been adopted into the family of God by the blood of Jesus, that we are sons of God. So, so emphatic in our heart that nothing can take it from us. The devil can't come in and lie to us. The devil can't come in and steal from us. He can't come in and whisper to us so that we step down out of our position of the throne and give place to him. Throughout the scriptures, it says, don't give place to the devil. But we do it all the time. As soon as he talks us out of our rights and our privileges, we gave place to him. We've got to get this solidified into our hearts that we're sons of God and that God loves us and that we're seated at the right hand of the throne of God positionally in Christ. So that every time you pray, you're not praying from some lowly place. You're praying from the throne of God to the Father. Man, folks, you're not, you're not having to cut through a whole bunch of garbage. You're here. Now, if the devil's talked you out of it, you've vacated the throne. You've run on down the road. You've hidden in the ditch because he's convinced you that you're not worthy. Well, then you've got to work your way all the way back up there. Get back up to the place you're supposed to be at before you can even start talking to the Father. Okay? So this is what I'm trying to get us out of. And so I want to read, us, I want to read the parable of the prodigal son to you tonight. I know you say, oh, pastors preach the prodigal son all the time, but I tell you, I cannot read it that I don't see something else leap out to me from it. And I was, saw something here I want to share with you about your sonship. So go to, the, uh, the, to your Bibles, go to Luke chapter 15, verse 11. Luke 15, 11. And I want to read through this thing, so y'all just bear with me. It says, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. Now, stop right there for a minute. I want to point out something here. It, it doesn't say that the father gave them their inheritance. We always think that, that the father said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to divide my livelihood up, my inheritance up, and give you half and him half. But it doesn't really say that. It says... He divided to them his livelihood. In other words, what the father was making, his income, the father's income of what he had on there, he divided part of it up to them. It says to them, huh, not to just the son that was asking, it says to them they both got 
money from the father. So I don't know how it worked. Let's just say, let's just say the father was worth $100,000, and he said, okay, I'm going to give you $10,000. I'm going to give you $10,000. I'm going to give my other son $10,000. There's your money. He couldn't have given him that much because it didn't last that long. All right? So it says, not many days after, the younger son gathers all together and uh, went to a journey into a far country, and he wasted his possession with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe vamp- famine in the land, and, they began to be, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to the citizens of that country. They sent him out in the fields to feed the swine, and he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, but no one would give him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise, I will go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So, Whoever the father was, whatever position he had, he was a, 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 a large enough businessman that he had multiple people hired. And the son, when he came to himself, said, you know, daddy has a, treats his servants well, so I'm going to go home and at least get on the payroll at that company because that company's providing good for its servants, and I'd rather be there than out here working for the world and what they're doing for me. So... I don't know how wealthy the father was, but the father, you know, had a, had a business, had a pretty good business with multiple people hired. So the son, it says, came to himself. In other words, he's like, wow, what the world's feeding me out here, you know, it's not any good. See, what happens is Christians want to keep one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom. The one foot that's in the kingdom of God, that's the foot that they're knowing if they die, they're going to take them to heaven. But they keep looking with the other foot in the world to supply their needs. Hear what I'm saying to you? Folks, listen to me. Does not the Bible tell us that God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus? Does it not say that? Is God a liar? No, but what happens is we don't seek the principles and the precepts and the promises of God into our life to where we know it beyond a shadow of a doubt that the Father's going to take care of us. We keep looking to the world to take care of us. And as long as you look to the world to take care of you, you know what's going to happen? You're always going to come up short because the bottom line is when things get tough, the world ain't going to give you nothing because it becomes dog eat dog, every man for himself. But not the Father's kingdom. The Father's kingdom's got a lot of servants and he's taking care of all of them. You see this paradigm here? Look at what I'm saying here. The world, man, dog eat dog. Everybody's going to take care of themselves. The father, multiple servants taking care of all of them. Got a great, got a great retirement program for them. Got a great everything for them. The son said, hey, man, if I'm going to go to work for anybody, I'm going to go to work for daddy. He has got it made, the, those guys working for him. Okay, are y'all following me here? So he said, uh, So he arose and he came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him, he had compassion, he ran, he fell on his neck, and he kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servant, Bring out the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf here and kill it, and let us eat and be married, for my son was dead and now he's alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be married. Now look at this, the father when he saw the son coming back, what he saw was his son. 
<laughs> you know, he didn't see somebody that had lost his position by doing wrong. He saw his son. And so what God is doing to us here, what God's doing to us here is God's trying to get us to understand when you sin and you do something that's wrong, you don't lose your sonship. Am I preaching good? In other words, in other words, we get it. We, the devil wants us convinced that every time we do something wrong, we lose our sonship. My son is my son. My natural born son is my natural born son. He will always be my son. If, my, if he disowned me, walked away and said, I never want to talk to my, my, my dad again. He's no longer my father. I leave him. I go out there. He's still my son. It don't make no difference. What? My blood's in his veins. He's my son. Hello? I know he'd never do that because he loves me. But what I'm saying to you is, why do you let the devil talk you out of what's yours, talk you off the throne, get you out of that position that of, of your sonship, and take you to a place where he can torment you over there when the whole time... Your position is at the throne in Christ. So look here. They come out, they put the robe on him, put the ring on him, put the sandals on his feet, do all the things. Now the older brother was in the field, and he came and he drew near the house, heard the music and the dancing, so he called one of the servants and they asked him, what do these things mean? And he said, your brother has come because he has received him safe and sound. Your father's killed the fatted calf. And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and he said to the father, Lo, all these many years, I've been serving you, and you never transgressed your commandment at any time, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. What about the money he gave him when he, the son got his money? Huh? You see how deceived you can become if you just become a religious Christian. God blesses you every day, puts breath in your lungs every day. He blesses you left and right, and then you get to the place, well, you didn't bless me enough. You didn't give me enough. I, I wanted this, and you didn't do that, or I wanted it to go this way. See, the thing is, you didn't want to be a son. You wanted to be the father. Ooh, give me a honk on that. Yeah, you wanted, to be, you wanted to be the one telling God what to do, not doing what God told you to do. Hello? So he gave him money, but now they says, oh, you didn't even give me a goat. And as soon as the son of yours came and devoured his livelihood with all the harlots and killed the fatted calf, he said unto him, son, you are always with me. All that I have is yours. And, and I was right that you would make merry and be glad for your brother was dead. He's alive again. He was lost and is found. Okay, so the father never quit looking at the son as a son. The elder brother said he was no longer worthy to be a son. See, they're trying to take their sonship from him. The sonship from him. Years ago, right here in Living Waters Church, way back in the day when Pastor Randy was, was pastor here, the church was turned the other direction. And I was sitting right over there. I can almost mark you the spot. He preached a message called Soldiers, Sons, and Servants. And it was a, it was a multiple lengthy message. And it spoke to my heart so much. It was the most, one of the most foundational messages ever in my life. It was the day when we had cassette tapes. And I got that cassette tape. And boy, I wore that sucker. I listened to it over and over and over and over and over again. Because I wanted to get the concept of 
soldier sons and servants into my heart. I wanted to get what it meant to be a son of God into my heart. And God began to show me some things, which I'm just going to touch on right now briefly and show you tonight. Go to Galatians chapter 4, verse 3. Let me show you something. Galatians 4, 3. It says, even when we were children, we were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Say that to yourself. I'm a son of God. And because you are sons, whoa, listen, whoa, look at this, man. You might receive the adoption as sons. And because you're sons, God sent forth his spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Because you're sons, God sent forth his spirit into you. God Almighty is saying, because you're my son now, I'm going to take care of you. Because you're my son now, I'm going to bless you. Because you're my son now, I'm sending forth my spirit into you. Because you're my son now. You see, we get saved and we say, oh, we joined the church. What? What? Oh, yes, I'm a member of the body of living waters. No, no, you became a son of God the day that you gave your heart to Jesus, the day that you were born again. You became a son of God in the family of God. Wow. And now God says, because you're my son, I'm going to do something for you. But look at what we do. We let the devil talk us out of it. We let him talk us right off the throne, right out into the middle of nothing. Tell him that you got, get, get thoughts in your mind that God's never going to provide for you. God don't love you. He ain't going to take care of you. He ain't going to, man, what a, what a bad employer he would be if he didn't take care of his employees. But he's not an employer. He's a father who has adopted you as sons, how much more then will God want to bless you in your life if you'll just get back up on the throne where you belong? Then he says, therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Jesus Christ. See, you used to be slaves. Now you can understand the slave mentality. The slave mentality is like a servant mentality, but you just do what you're told, and most of the time, you grumble about it. Most slaves are not happy, all right? Most slaves are not happy. Why? Because they're under the bondage of their master, so the master can treat them however he wants to. God didn't call you to be a slave. Hear what I'm saying to you tonight, church. You did not come into the kingdom of God to be a slave. All right? You came into the kingdom to be a son. Now, I'll give you another scripture. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. 2 Timothy 2, 1. It says, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Jesus Christ, and the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses. Commit these to faithful men, which will be able to teach others also. You therefore must... Endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who has enlisted him as a soldier. Now, when we start talking about soldiers, all right, and you are called a soldier of God, but it's a different kind of a soldier because you're a, so, a son soldier. You're not just a soldier that you got 
drafted into the army, therefore you have to fight. No, you're a soldier doing the bidding of the father because you're a son. If you only have a soldier's mentality like like a natural soldier, then you're only serving God because he's the commander. But if you understand what a soldier who is a son is, that person serves God and will go and do things for God because it's all a part of his kingdom. Are you with me? You see, as soldiers of God, you're advancing your own kingdom, the kingdom of God. It's your kingdom. You're a son of God. You're advancing daddy's business. (laughs) Think about that. You're advancing daddy's business. You're doing warfare for your father. But you have an inheritance in that. So in a sense, you're doing warfare for yourself. So soldiers, sons and servants, let's talk about a son for just a second. Let me tell you some attributes of a son, and you may want to write these down. Sons are intimate with their father. All right? They're close to their father. They're not scared of their father. They're intimate with their father. They're close to their father. The second one is is sons want to be like their father. They aspire to be like the man that's presented to them. Jesus said, I don't do anything that I don't see my father do. In other words, he wanted to be like his father. The third one is sons work together with the father. You got to understand something. Sons work with the father. We've lost this in America, and we still have it around a little in our lives out here in the country. But, you know, used to a family business. It was called a family business. And the father started a business, and then his son passed it on, and then his son took it, and went on and went on and won, and they kept the family business. So when the father was running the business and the son was working, he was actually working for himself because he was going to get the business, and it was going to keep going, and it was going to keep multiplying. So in essence, he was working for himself. See, what we've gotten wrong is we keep thinking God's up here and he's just going to give us an order and we've got to go do it. Wait a minute, you're sons of God. You have an inheritance. You've got, a, you've got stake in the game to see people get saved, to see people get blessed, to see people get healed all over this world because that's your daddy's business. A son keeps the big picture in mind. You see, a lot of times people are selfish and self-centered. We just have seen that right now. Did you see... I mean, it may have taken place somewhere, but the majority of places, everybody took as much toilet paper as they could get their hands on where they need it or not, and they probably still have it stacked up in their, in their garage or their, their, their closet or whatever, more toilet paper than they're going to use for the rest of the year. But then when they go to the store, they keep buying more toilet paper, and we go through this craze of everybody buying it. What are they thinking about themselves? They do not want to be discomforted, all right? But in the kingdom of God, sons are looking at the big picture. What can we do to bless everybody? What can we do to to touch and reach the world at a time of crisis? How can we be blessings? How can we reach out and help people? Because we're looking at the big picture. The big picture is eternity. The fifth thing here is sons look over the welfare of the whole kingdom. Hear what I'm saying. Sons are looking over the welfare of the whole kingdom. It's not about what's just going on at Living Waters Church. My goodness, there's churches all over the place. There's good Christians all over the place. Loving Jesus, worshiping God, praising Him, 
getting people saved, touched, healed, blessed. There's great things, great ministries going on everywhere. We've got to look at the welfare of the whole kingdom. See, we need to be Christians. We don't need to be denominations. We need to be Christians going and working for the kingdom of the Father. That's it. The sixth one is here that sons take on the responsibility of the family. We take on the responsibility of the family. It's a family business. It's a kingdom business. You're a son of God. You have a responsibility to keep the family business going, to keep the family's good name. You have a responsibility. Come on, folks, listen to me. you got a responsibility to be a Christian, to act like a Christian, to be loving, to be caring, to show forth what kind of a family do we want. That's why I get so angry when people start saying things about churches or about God or or, or, or putting down my father, or making Christians look bad, or you know, just, it, it just it just boils my blood because you're talking about my family. You're talking about my family. The last one here is that true sons of God take on the family vision. Now, hear what I'm saying? They take on the family vision. Now, you can imagine over the years where there were companies that were passed down from their sons, and they you know, through, let's just say that it started in 1850. Well, in 1850, the business was, you know, completely different than what it would be today. And so they had to change. They had to take on and get the vision and see what was going on and how could this company move and flow to meet the needs. Like, let's just say you were a company that started making buckets, wooden buckets that went down a well to draw water. Well, that would have been a great business. And 1850. But in 1950, 1900 even, uh, that wasn't going to be a very successful business if you're if you had buckets and you you know that went down a well hole and and you're like, "Oh man, you know, somebody if they were going to keep that family business going and family vision going, they would have to adapt and change in order for that business to still become successful." What I'm saying to you in closing here, church, in these times that we find that, you know, we're supposed to social distance, we're supposed to do things differently, you know, we may find ourselves having to adapt and having to change, but I'm telling you, we got to keep the family vision of people blessed and healed and touched. And if I have to do it through this camera going out over the internet to somebody's television, well, then so be it. But what I'm saying is why not start introducing other people? Why not start Acts 246 churches in our homes? We're gathering people, letting them watch the video, having a service there, ministering to the people, serving them, blessing them, finding out what their needs are, and starting up churches like this all around the whole country. Maybe somebody doesn't feel comfortable to come to church, but they might come to your house and watch the program. All I'm saying is we've got to get inventive. We've got to get inventive and take on the family vision of what God has for us at this time so that we can see the kingdom of God advanced on the earth. Amen? So we got to understand this, this whole thing is bigger than we are. And it's not about us individually. We cannot be selfish at this time. We've got to be people that are willing to share and to give and to be blessings. That's what Jesus called us to do. 
So I just want to remind you of that. <clears throat> Do not get off the throne. You are a son of God. You've got to get this down into your heart. You've got to get it deep, deep down in your heart so that you know it beyond a shadow of a doubt. Quit letting the devil talk you off your position in life, your position at the throne, and be a blessing. So praise God. I want to pray for you. Um, if there's anybody out in the parking lot and you have an offering, I want to pray over your offering. Anybody that's sending in an offering tonight, I, I want to pray over that. But uh, we got some ushers out there. Somebody will get it, or you can come over here to the side door, and there's a bucket sitting back here. And so let me pray for you. Father, right now in Jesus' name, I just rebuke every, every lie that has been sowed in people's hearts that they are not really sons of God. I just break that chain. I rebuke it in the name of Jesus and declare you have no rights, no privileges. But this night we rise up and we take our position as sons of God. We desire, we, we desire to be like you, Father. We want to work with you, Father. We want to see the big picture of all that's going on. We want to be able to look at the welfare of the kingdom and take on the responsibility of the family business and have a vision, Lord God, that you're, it's your vision. It's the family business vision. So, Lord, I just thank you for that. I thank you for just ingraining this into our hearts and minds tonight, blessing us, showing us, opening up understanding like, Lord, we've never had before. And so, Lord, I ask you just to bless them, to touch them and to minister to them right there. I ask you, Lord God, to bless our finances. Lord, bless our finances. Put your hand upon it. I thank you, Lord God, that in this day we are not going down. We are going up. Lord, we are blessed. We are the sons of God, and God, you take care of us. So, Lord, we praise you for it. We thank you for it, Lord, right now in Jesus' mighty name. Hey, God bless you, and I will see you on Sunday.